0: to Flowcast. I am your host, Jeremiah Washington. We're sharing stories about people changing lives in hopeful ways for the life of the world. A ministry of Dominican Sisters of Springfield, Illinois, recorded live at Sacred Heart Convent. (laughs) It's been so long since I've done this. (laughs) Welcome to Flowcast. I am the host, Jeremiah Washington. Today we have two very special guests, Sister Denise Glazik, who is in charge of vocation for the community of Dominican Sisters. I'm also with Sister Mary Alberta Lawless, who is an educator, a pioneer of many schools, and a tech guru. And today we have some amazing stories to talk about with the two of them that we're about to get into.
1: So uh, I'm Sister Denise. I gave a presentation at our community days in February. And it was about the heritage of our congregation in regards to vocations. And after the presentation, uh, Sister Maria Berta, you came up to me to say that you had many relatives who became Springfield Dominicans. And so I was fascinated with that story and how it plays into our heritage. So... I'm the youngest of 14, seven brothers, six sisters, and I'm the only one in religious life. But I would like you to tell me your story about how many relatives you have that are actually Springfield Dominicans.
2: Well, I'm one of five children, four girls and one boy, and three of us are religious sisters. Two Springfield Dominican sisters and the other one is a sister of St. Clair out in New York State. So I have a brother and a sister that are married. But my heritage comes from very much further back. Way long time ago Mr. and Mrs. Gugerty, that's Gugerty, came here from Ireland and landed in New York and their oldest child was Annie. They had three more boys and a girl. She married the Gugerty, and the oldest girl married John Duffner. Now, John Duffner came here from Germany with the intention of going down to, new, to Missouri to his brother Joseph and some other family members that lived down there. But he got as far as Springfield, and when he got to Springfield, he didn't have enough money to go on, so he got a job here in Springfield. Okay. Annie was the oldest in the Gugarty family, and Annie um, was 13 and she left here and went to Springfield to make bandages for the soldiers at at Camp Butler. And so she lived in Springfield, met John way. I don't know how they met, but they met and they eventually married in a few years at the cathedral, at the time St. Mary's Cathedral, um, she had another brother and a sister that lived to adulthood, and the her sister was Mary. She her name was just Mary, but the, when she John and uh, John got married to uh, Annie, um, they moved down to near Woodson, Illinois, and lived there in a house um, that was built from log cabins, and. Augusta then got, a, uh, Mary then got a familiar with the sisters in Jacksonville who had just come from Kentucky.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And she joined the sisters in Jacksonville as Sister Mary Augusta. Now, the Googerties, Mr. and Mrs. Googertie, would be my great grandparents. And so um, she, she would be a great great aunt. Sister Augusta would have been. Okay? okay,
1: so that starts the Dominican sisters' heritage. That's the Dominican sister's heritage, okay. The first sister. Yeah.
2: The first sister. Well, she was with the sisters there. When uh, John Duffner got married to to Anna, they had a large family of nine children. Well, they really had eleven twelve children, but the couple of the boys died. So they were left with one boy and nine girls. <laughs> and before they left Springfield, the oldest girl was born. And then they moved down next to the Gugerties, down by Woodson. So um, the oldest girl was Elizabeth, and she eventually got married to John Flynn. Now John Flynn's parents came, both came from Ireland, and he had five boys and a girl. And Elizabeth um, taught school in a country school, and because the school was um, too far away from her to walk to school to teach, um, she decided to live with one of the directors of the school. And that happened to be John Flynn, Sr. Okay, so she lived with John Flynn, Sr. And one of the third oldest boy decided he liked her and they got married, okay? So when Elizabeth got married to him, she, they had uh, nine children that lived. One of the older ones was named Claire, and one of the other girls was named Cecilia. And Claire and Cecilia came up to Sacred Heart Academy. That was a Dominican sister school. That was a school. Dominican sister school, that's right. And, a, and her other sisters did too. Elizabeth or, um, Edith came up here too. Edith was my mother, so she was a sister of these two girls, and both of them joined the Dominican sisters. So that's that's another generation down, but it's two people, okay? Edith came up here to school. She would have liked to have been a sister, but the other two had already come up here, and she decided she'd better wait. So she waited a little while, and she got married to Joseph Lawless. Now, in the meantime, my grandmother, Elizabeth Duffner Flynn, became a third-order tertiary because Sister Edmund talked to, to, to her about it. So she's a third-order tertiary of a Dominican Sisters here in Springfield, she join them. So Edith and Joe got married, and they have five children. I'm the oldest of the five, and after I graduated from Sacred Heart Academy, I joined the Dominican Sisters. Sister Renee was next in line. She waited a year and went to college, and then she came back and joined the Dominican Sisters. Okay. So that leaves us with Sister Augusta, Sister Edmund, Sister Maureen, Sister Mary Alberta, and Sister Renee on that family line.
1: And as I was looking at your family line, I noticed that um, most of the girls joined the Dominican sisters when they were about 21 or 22 years old. There was was only one that was 19. Okay. Sister Sister Edmund and Maureen... I
2: think Sister Edmund had to wait a year because she had eczema or something that she had that couldn't come right away. and I. But I think Sister Maureen came right out of high school, practically. Oh, okay. I think she came right out of high school. And then I know I did, and I know Sister Renee did, because Uberless, I was barely 21 when I made my vows. Okay. Okay. Okay? That That's
1: Yeah. <laughs> because now, as I look at the average age who are entering they're about 28 years old oh, right and have had prior uh, college experience and/or work experience rather uh, than coming straight out of high school. But that's true. When you look back at
2: when you look back at the background of, the, of our grandparents I, and my family, some of them were 13, 15, 19 years old when they got married mm-hmm. and started families. So all of those Irish people, I know uh, that they, they were young people when they got married. When I came to the convent, there were not many things a girl could do um, but teach school, um, be a secretary, handwritten secretary, no computers at that stage of the game. Um, You could be a nurse, but you didn't really go to college. That was not part of the offering. I was offered that if I wanted to do that rather than come to the convent, but I rejected it. That was, I think, one thing my parents thought would maybe make me wait a little bit. Maybe I'd change my mind. But I was very much concerned that this is what I want to do. And so um, I came at a very young age, I guess. I was just, I was high school, came in. I graduated, I graduated in 46 from high school in June, and I came to the convent in July.
1: Okay. And it was my understanding, so you and then Sister Mary Renee... And then you have two or three more relatives that entered? Right. We have some more relatives that entered. They are on my dad's side.
2: And on my father's side, um, a woman whose last name was Ring, Bridget Ring, from Ireland, and Michael Lawless, L-A-W-L-E-S-S, came from Ireland. He came in from New New Orleans, and she came in from New York. Michael landed in down near Alton in an Irish community. At the same time, the Rings landed, landed down there. They were married and had these children, had three or four children. And they decided to buy land, and it was from 13 cents an acre to like 18 cents an acre. And they bought land in the, barely in Scott County, just outside of Morgan County, caddy car from each other. Lawless was single, Ring was married, okay? And um, I do not know what Lawless did for Ring, but I know that Ring volunteered to offer one of his daughters as his wife if, she wanted, if he wanted to marry her. So he chose the oldest daughter, which was Bridget. So um, they married and had nine kids. Now Bridget also had a sister whose name was Mary, and, and she would be my great aunt. Her old, one of her daughters was Mary, another Mary, and she joined the Dominican Sisters from Jacksonville into Springfield. And she was Sister Mary Rita Ring. Okay. Okay, so she is a first cousin once removed, I believe it is. And so, um, twice removed, first cousin twice removed, okay? And then one of the sons of that married couple, the Lawless Ring couple, and his, his name was Michael and uh, was James I'm sorry his name was James and he was a first generation irishman but he married mar- he married ellen agnes jordan who came here from ireland so they were that was a couple that were really irish all the way through and ellen agnes jordan had a sister whose name was mary there's so many marys <laughs> <laughs> and mary married Thomas Paul Langdon, L A N G D O N, okay? And they had five children. And their Mary became Sister Mary Perpetual Langdon. And she is my first cousin once removed. She's closer related to me than Sister Rita is. Okay. Mm-hmm. And she was a Springfield Dominican? And she was a Springfield Dominican. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, um, and, and also back in there, someplace, there's a Dominican priest, Father Paul Duffner. Okay. okay. And he is, he is related on the Duffner side. Um, he, uh, his father was my grandmother's brother. Um, John Duffner uh, married um, Mahoney. I believe her name is, yes, Mahoney. Uh, Thomas Duffner married Mahoney. And he became a priest, Father Paul Duffner. But he had a sister named Anna Mae. And Anna Mae married Clyde Cox, and they had one child, Sister Margaret Ann Cox, who was in our Dominican. She became
1: situation. a Springfield Dominican. <laughs> <laughs> so whether you had nine kids, five kids, somebody was gonna and be a Dominican. <laughs> <sighs> Alright, so we got so we got another Springfield Dominican, Sister Margaret Ann Cox. Right. Mm-hmm. So I understand But they're from the Jack. they were she went to school in Jacksonville. Okay, and that's where we started as we Springfield started.
2: Dominicans. That's right. And Sister Augusta joined us at that point in time. And then Sister Edmund Maureen and myself and Renee came to the Academy. Rather than the public schools in Jacksonville, we'd had to go back up. We lived in the country, so we would have had to travel back and forth to school. So we were boarded in Jacksonville, we lived here, in Springfield, we lived here, okay. Mm-hmm. And then Sister Margaret Ann went to Route in Jacksonville, okay, Okay. and Dominican background.
1: So we have at least eight, eight. Uh, mm-hmm. from that union uh, that have become. Springfield Dominicans. Dominicans. And we have a Dominican priest from the Jacksonville
2: Dominicans that taught there. He well, he just died. He was 100 years old when he died out in California uh, about two years ago. He was a novice master out there for a while.
1: So long line of family members. And as I looked at the data, they... Most of them lived long lives right. into the nineties and one hundreds. Mm-hmm. Sister, uh, was it Sister Mary Edmond lived yeah, to be hundred? Yeah, uh-huh. that's what I thought. She okay, was so we've got uh, long lineage, long life, and uh, all through the Dominicans, uh, education wise. Uh uh-huh. um, So now. N- So you entered during that pioneering time in Jacksonville, those first few um, family members. So tell me about your pioneering uh, once you became a Springfield Dominican and educated. uh, You were pioneers of what schools? In the
2: 60s, we were opening schools right and
1: left. (laughs) Okay, so that's part of our heritage, too, is starting hospitals because that was a need, and schools to educate Irish immigrants.
2: Right, well, that's not exactly where I was educating Irish immigrants. But anyhow, um, when we opened up St. Bernadette's and Evergreen Park, I was sent there for music and kindergarten. And then I stayed there
1: for two years, can I ask you a question about that? Uh-huh. So, as the musician in a parish school, did you have responsibility for parish masses, weddings, yes. funerals? Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and we had that, and I then I taught lessons, and in and, and the other half day, then the second year we had two kindergartens, and it kind of cut down some of that. But we got the we had the choir started, and then I left, they kept it up, mm-hmm. and then I we opened a school in Granite City which had been operated by another group of sisters, and we took it over. And I did not have music there, but I had kindergarten, but I had morning and afternoon classes. And I was there for two years. And uh, then I finished up education a year and came to Rosary High School, and I was a pioneer at Rosary High School. Which is an
1: all-girls school. I guess
2: I was a pioneer. I call myself a pioneer because I was assigned there but the school didn't get built in time so they kept the the kids the freshman kids in the old saint holy angel school and then the second year i went there uh, there were five of us that started so that year we had two we had um, two classes freshman and sophomore then we just grew up
1: and, and rosary t- started and has remained to this right. day an all-girls school right it was Where, all girls whereas school. sacred heart academy uh, changed and became coed.
2: became coed. Well I have a story on that too. But anyhow <laughs> then I stayed there for um, eight eight years. Okay. At Rosary. Uh-huh. Eight, twelve, I forget. Anyhow, then I was appointed to Marion Catholic High School, which was already going with fourteen hundred co ed schools and I was there for eight years. I was at Rosary for twelve years and Marion at twelve eight years and eight years, um, and so that was not really a pioneer, but it was education where I was.
1: Mm-hmm. In mm-hmm. high school. And then from Marion, which was co-ed, you came to back to the Sacred Heart?
2: For, I was here for a year, and then I went to Almond High School as principal for three years. Okay. Then, then I came back. Then, at that point, my parents were—my uh, father was 80, my mother was 88 and they were living in the country um, and enjoying it. But my sister was trying to raise four teenagers and running back and forth trying to take care of them. So we decided, and they agreed, to move to Jacksonville. So I asked to come down someplace in this area so I could help out. My sister was wild taking care of them. So I came down and um, worked at at the academy. But when I came, I was registrar, and I took care of registering them all the records from Boys Griffin School and the girls Sacred Heart Academy School together and started on computers down here. I had worked on computers at Marion and at Allman.
1: So So you were another pioneer by starting the computer age at Sacred Heart Griffin.
2: Well, and I started at Allman, too. There were none there. And I started at Marion. They had none there.
0: visit springfieldop.org. That's Springfield OP like order preachers.org and click on the Listen, See, Respond button to take a three-day virtual retreat. <laughs>
1: well, that are our, our lifeline.
2: It's funny when you figure out what I started with. I lived in the country as a child, And the things we did in the country were completely different than what the kids do now. Our entertainment was like, we had a creek that went a little ways from our house. We played with the tadpoles and the frogs and we hung on the trees. We walked the rafters in the garage, in the barns and jumped into the hay. We fed the chickens, we picked in the eggs. Um, My brother was the youngest, but he was late learning how to milk. So we had several cows and that furnished our milk. And we had a garden with fruits and vegetables in it. And I used to eat the things out of the vegetables. My mother canned them and all that. So I've come from no airplanes to the moon. I mean, it's just been a a wonderful experience to have gone through that much change in our nation. And And you sit in fear that we're going to lose it if they don't start working with it together. You mm-hmm. know, you just have to... You have to realize where some of us have come from, from peace and quiet and contentment, you know, to that. My grandmother, uh, uh, Gugertie, Anna Gugarty, she lived on the farm and she took eggs and milk into the Dominican Sisters in Jacksonville by foot, 15 miles, on horseback, or sometimes she'd get a ride in a carriage if somebody was going that way. Mm-hmm. She gathered the student, the kids in the area. And either at her house or at one of their houses, and sometimes it was an overnight visit, she prepared all the little kids for First Communion for the parish. She prepared all the kids for confirmation in the parish.
1: And just so we're clear, so she was not she was a sister. No. She was just a laywoman, a and, mom, right? a neighbor who right. took care of the community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: And, and whether sister, that her was her sister was a religious, but she wasn't. Uh-huh. And so whether that was f- literally feeding the hungry, yeah. uh, or catechizing the children for the parish sacraments. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. She the other thing that she did,
2: which I think is very notable, she was um, one of very few people who could read and write.
1: Okay, now tell me again who this was. This okay, was this your is great
2: this grandmother. Great grandmother. This is Anna Gugerty had some education in New York before they came to the country area of Jacksonville, okay? And so she would read the legal documents for a lot of the men that they couldn't understand what they wanted. Um, she would help them write letters for things. She was the interpreter for anybody that had a problem with the language because a lot of, they were, most of them were Irish, but there were a few Germans. Now, my grandfather, great grandfather, came over here. He spoke German, but he quit speaking German, and he never, he didn't continue to speak German the rest of his life. He kind of forgot it. By the time he died, he had forgotten it. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, uh, but she carried on. She was,
1: she was the educator in the area. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so with limited education, yeah. she was able to. Uh, do so many things right at yeah. great levels and, and you from children to adults.
2: <laughs> I would call uh-huh. it social work, <laughs>
1: uh-huh. and similar to our literacy centers at this point, right? Uh-huh. Helping with documents, helping with language, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it was it was she as a lay person who stepped up to help, right? Mm-hmm. And took the rightful place. Right. But
2: she died at 52 of cancer. She raised nine kids. (laughs) how she got all this done, I don't know. (laughs) Wow. That's impressive. She's the only one that died young. Most of the rest of them were all in their 90s. On my dad's side, they were all in their 90s. uh, You know, when you think back of that ancestry, and they came here with nothing. and And I've seen my father go with renting a house, a little bitty house, when we were born up to only three farms now you know that's a man that worked hard not big farms but over a thousand acres combined mm-hmm. so in his lifetime he he earned enough money to buy land and feed people and to feed not only his own but other people
1: mm-hmm. so that neighborhood mentality that right. community mentality has been a, again I think a part I of your think heritage. that's very
2: important uh-huh. yeah. and i think that's missing a lot of times in crowded areas and spaces and cities it's just, it's missing you don't know your neighbors
1: mm-hmm. and that that's a huge change that we knew our the same thing i grew up on a farm we had uh, the animals that were our mm-hmm. meals our fruits and vegetables we grew our fruit from the trees i swung from the rafters and yeah. played with the tadpoles <laughs> uh same thing that yeah. was our fun and we yeah. always had something uh to do that kept us busy with chores and then even our playtime but we knew our neighbors and if they needed help
2: we all we helped all, them. yeah whenever we would have now my father raised turkeys you know He did, He loved animals, and sometimes he would raise a whole lot of turkeys or a whole lot of pheasants or whatever for three or four or five years. The neighbors would come in and help him slaughter those, and then we would help. We were always part of that, that thing. And he would take them into Jacksonville, and they would be sold. Mm-hmm. But you can't do that now yeah. because the regulations won't let you bring um, meat from the farm into Jacksonville. It has to be processed in a certain place. Mm-hmm. So you well, became part of the... Of the family that you knew where your where your living came from
1: mm-hmm.
2: you knew that they worked hard to make a living for you my mother yeah. made all of our clothes
1: yep so they made your clothes uh, you processed your own food right so it wasn't coming from no, county market or you didn't freeze it you nope. had to can it yeah you canned it and or picked it for the day
2: yeah that's right and we always help with that so I think a lot of that has to do with um, relationship with God your maker where it's coming from you know I my and with love from mother book you will see that my grandmother walked behind her father in the field as he sang Irish songs Irish hymns and so they they sang those as they walked down the fields so that makes an impression on a a kid you know Mm -hmm. He was doing his work, but it was slow, and she was walking beside him and singing Mm -hmm. with him as he went through the field.
1: Mm -hmm. And that just brings me something I read about living community life. So as we come into today, um, religious life in the church. Now, just in your one history, so many women became Dominican sisters. Um and back in the day, as you said, they were limited. Women were limited in what they could do as a career, a profession, a call uh, um, And now, the sky's the limit, and soon the moon is the limit because there for, might be a woman true. who but, goes to the moon
2: but but I, but I recall thinking as I was when I was in high school, thinking that you know you had one life to give. And I'm giving it to God, and no matter what He wants me to do, I'll do it. You know, Right.
1: So giving difference. our life to God. And what I was reading about is um, back in the day when many families had large families, yes. and at least one seemed to go off to priesthood or religious life. And actually families prayed for that for right. one of their children yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. as an offering to God. So um, now as vocation director, our numbers for the last 20 to 30 years have been one or two vocations a year. They don't come in crowds of 50 and Uh -uh. 60. That, That was an oddity, and it was back then. What do you think religious life in the future will be like? Because it's still needed for the church. Taking, living in community, praying together, giving ourselves in service to the church as educators, uh-huh. uh, as healthcare workers, social workers. And now again, the sky's the limit in social uh-huh. justice and what we have to offer. So how do you see that playing I see out? A,
2: I see a lot of the high school students very interested in helping other people. Uh, They're involved in a lot of clubs and um, civic things where they give of themselves. Uh, They'll have a drive for somebody that's been hurt or somebody that's had a house that burnt. Um, They're very concerned about other people. And I think in our Catholic schools that comes from an understanding of their relationship with God and other people's relationship with God and they're all one unit and they want to help out. I mean, I think it's coming from a religious base and I hope it sticks for the next generation. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what it means for a religious vocation. So many of them go off and get educated in social work, which is good. Mm -hmm. And how they want to personally use that is is going to be determined. I'm not sure whether they'll want to use it as a mother for children or father of children or whether they want to use it as um, part of the church giving to the society.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I think it's going to be something that I can't see. I can't see the future on that. Mm
1: -hmm. So I think um, even for the life of the world as as we looked at our last um, chapter gathering religious life for the life of the world so right now we're once upon a time it was needed for religious right. men and women to start schools to start hospitals uh... to educate the children uh... even in orphanages those who weren't in the catholic school uh, to Orphanages, those kind of things. But now a lot of the lay people are doing that. Are doing that, and um, so our life as religious into the future. I think there's still a need because of our lifestyle of living um, simply, living a common life, praying together. Um, I think it's still a valid. Lifestyle, I think it's a valid call from God, but I think it'll look different. And, and it will be smaller. Yes. And as as the sisters who first came to Jacksonville in the 1800s, they didn't know what it would look like in 2021. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. And I think as we move forward, we don't know what it's going to look like in 2030, Yeah. 2040, yeah. 2050. Yeah but that we move forward in hope. So coming from an immigrant country, they looked forward in hope. And I think we have to do the same right now. See the church and it moving forward in hope. That's true.
2: That's true. But I couldn't see the future when I came, so nobody's going to see the future. You just don't know what's going to happen. How did I know? When I came at 21, what I would be like at 92. (laughs)
1: Exactly.
0: (laughs) Want more hope and inspiration from the sisters? Go to SpringfieldOP.org. That's SpringfieldOP.org.
1: I I came knowing very little about the Dominican sisters and religious life. Well, I knew a lot <laughs> and 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 I never knew any mm-hmm. until I was an adult and came to Saint Malachy's in Rantoul where I met the Dominican sisters.
2: Well, see, I came from the academy, which we lived with, practically with the sisters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, at that stage stage of the game, uh, the older sisters had to walk over to the school to get on the elevator to go to the different floors in the convent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was a... <laughs> and that's... It, a, we, saw them, and we saw them. We saw ta- them. We I remember walking down the sidewalk with Sister Dominica. Oh, I forget what her last name was. She was from Ireland. And she was old sister. And we'd walk down the sidewalk talking to each other. Well... You know, that doesn't happen anymore.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's a huge difference also uh, now as opposed to back then. You lived with the sisters. You saw the sisters. Um, that was more limited when I was yeah becoming an adult. Uh, and now so many of our missions literally across the nation, from east to west and north to south, we have... Handed those missions over to others. We've uh, whether that's been another congregation Uh, or the lay Catholic ecclesial ministers who mm -hmm. are are doing a great job. So um, see, we used to have my class was a class of sixty five,
2: I think it was, and three of us came to the convent. mm -hmm. So, but there were seven Mm -hmm. in my class when I came, but um, and they all came from school. No one of them didn't. They came from schools where they had sisters, Dominican sisters. Mm-hmm. Duluth. Yeah. Duluth had two. Chicago had one. Yeah.
1: And so as I as the vocation director look at the statistics now that are coming in, the average age of joining a congregation, and they are they are coming. In the last fifteen years, there's been about thirty five hundred at least make profession in religious congregations. Um, most of those had Catholic sisters or had gone to a Catholic education. Mm -hmm. 33%, I believe it was, which is an interesting uh, statistic, 33% had one parent that was born outside the U.S. By God's grace, we move forward. Uh, We move forward in hope for the life of the world. That's our call. Right. That's our call. As we just kind of bring this to a close, can you name for me again your family tree of those women who have become Springfield Dominican sisters? Very good. Sister Augusta Gugarty, Sister Mary Edmund Flynn,
2: Sister Maureen Flynn, Sister Mary Alberta Lawless, Sister Mary Renee Lawless, Sister Margaret Ann Cox, Sister Mary Rita, ring. Sister Mary Perpetua, Langdon. Pray for
1: us. (laughs) We stand on their shoulders, and we go forward with hope. Yeah. And then my grandmother was a
2: third-order tertiary, so she was a Dominican, too.
1: But again, I, I think this is just a wonderful story, part of our history, and you're one of many where there are multiple in some cases multiple siblings who entered our congregation and then there are many relatives so that's that's an important part too as we shift to now is for families to pray for and to encourage and invite Mm -hmm. their siblings grandchildren into religious life. Yeah.
2: Well, I know there's been many sisters from some of the areas like Farmersville, Philo. They're just sisters have just come from those areas where the, our sisters were teaching. Mm-hmm.
1: And I think that's the same thing with Jacksonville, Murrayville, mm-hmm. Jerseyville, uh, so many of those places. Neighboring towns uh, sent many of their women well, into religious life. Do you think... One road,
2: country road, that starts on the east side of Woodson, Illinois, you've got Maureen, Sister Edmund, you go through Woodson, you've got Sister Veronica Doolin, you've got me, you've got Sister Renee, you've got Sister Betty Casey, Sister Elizabeth Casey, all on that one road.
1: (laughs) Yep. That's amazing. (laughs) That's amazing. Wouldn't it be nice? If on twelve thirty seven West Monroe from twelve thirty seven West Monroe to Cook Street we got Five kids. Five five women.
2: Well see it's a whole different yardage, a whole different thing on that street. Yeah. We all went to the same church. We all knew each other. Our parents knew each other. In some cases the parents played, you know, played cards together, you know. Yeah.
1: So that's another important part of it. It's relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's relationship, relationship, relationship. Mm-hmm. Good stories, good heritage. <laughs> good story, good heritage. Well, thank
2: and you. And I have loved being, being with it.
0: Well, thank you, Sister Denise Glazik, Sister Mary Alberta, for coming and sharing those wonderful experiences, very educational.
1: Thanks for having us. Yeah, thanks for having us. It's great to share stories.
0: (laughs) Thank you for listening to Flowcast. We had Sister Denise Glazik, Sister Mary Alberta, telling some interesting stories for the life of the world. And hopefully you learned something very interesting today. Thank you for listening to Flowcast. Join us next week to hear more stories about people changing lives in hopeful ways for the life of the world.